Welcome to Prompted by Nature, a weekly podcast that explores the connection between nature and creativity through storytelling. Each week, we'll dive into heartfelt conversations with the humans working in and with nature to support our planet and the creatures, including us, that inhabit it. Each conversation is punctuated by a meditation and writing prompt created by me, Helen, a meditation teacher, writer and outdoor creativity guide to help you to explore the issues and topics covered in a more meaningful and creative way. Because when we allow ourselves time and space to deeply listen and connect, we bring ourselves closer to a place in which we can truly live prompted by nature. to my actual first episode of the new series of Prompted by Nature. The reason I say the actual first episode is that I have already recorded what I called the first episode uh, in the intro to my conversation with Avni Trivedi, which is the first interview in the series. Um, And then I suddenly realised that I had planned to do a solo episode. So here it is. I'm really pleased to be able to still be here to be doing this and have people listening and giving me lots of lovely feedback. Um, it really has been such an honour to put this, put the last series together and to hear from all the amazing people that I spoke with, as I mentioned in my last solo episode. So I thought I'd just pop on and I don't have much time today. My partner has just taken my son Uh, for part of his settling in at school so I'm just recording this while they're gone Um, but I just thought I'd pop on and give you a bit of uh, an update as to how things are, um, what's been going on in my little part of the world and see how you're doing, just kind of touch base. So we stayed in the UK for the summer, we went down to Dorset to visit my mum Um, and just spend some time by the sea. We did a bit of paddle boarding. I did some kayaking and now I can't believe it's been uh, so long that I was on the water last. Um, So I'm hoping to get back into a kayak at some point down here because I live right by the sea um, and we have a few rivers around us as well. I used to row when I was um, a teenager and I really loved it. It was... um, there's just something really being really special about being on the water. I love being in the water, but I'm not much of a swimmer, but being on the water is just lovely. And I met so many great people when I was rowing and lots of people think it's a very privileged thing to do, which maybe it is because mostly it's private schools that do it. I just went to a state school and yeah, it was just, it was something that really made me, I think. And it really helped with the wonderful adolescent years that we all go through. Anyway, so yeah, I'm hoping to get back into a kayak. Um, So I thought I would do the solo episode, not just to update you, but kind of talk about uh, Ben Fields, which I mentioned in my last solo episode, um, and talk about the writing prompts, the meditation writing prompts that I do as the follow-ups for each interview. And also just kind of talk a little bit about... um, 
kind of follow up with what I talked about in terms of eco-anxiety, eco-grief and also eco-guilt. And also I wanted to talk about an article that I've read um, a few weeks ago, which put things in a new perspective for me. Um, so I thought I'd share it. Anyway, um, so Benfield Valley in Hangleton, which is near to where I live. So I mentioned in my last uh, episode that I had set up a project, um, or I, I think I said I was like in the kind of early stages of setting up the project. It's still very early. Um, but I've now set that up and if you are local to Brighton and Hove you can find it on Instagram it's the.benfield.valley.project as you can tell I like dots on Instagram and on Facebook it's just um, Benfield Valley Project um, and I've been working really closely with the local wildlife groups and some of the community projects that already exist to try and put together basically like a case um, to get the Benfield Valley off what's called the City Plan Part 2, which are proposed uh, plans for 100 dwellings. It's for the housing across um, Brighton and Hove, basically. And they have proposed that um, they want to build 100 dwellings on this space in the Benfield Valley. So it's essentially two patches of woodland. And it's really interesting um, going into it and finding out I've been looking at air quality reports, I've been looking really closely at the proposals themselves, but also the valley itself has been named a special area, which might make you wonder, why would they build on it anyway? If they, <laughs> they're they're aware that it's a special area. Why would they want to build on it? Hmm, that's a very good question. Um, but yeah, so I've been looking at the notes that they've made on that and I've been finding it really interesting to find these contradictions and discrepancies between the value that they place on the space as a green, biodiverse, natural space and why they want to build on it. It's really... Yeah, it's not great. Um, and I'm really hoping that the project in this, the early stages, will help to rally people to write. I've been doing writing frames. I've written a letter that people can copy and paste into an email to our MPs. Um, and I'm helping people to actually respond to the proposals. And something that's really important that you should know, if you have um, noticed that in your area there are proposals for houses to be built on green spaces is that you should be able, there should be a public a public consultation for any proposals for building on these spaces. Any proposals anywhere, especially if it's a big project like the CPP2 in Brighton and Hove. Um, and you absolutely have a voice in this. And the more evidence that you can get to show that the space has environmental importance, the better. And especially if you can put together views. So in the document that I'm creating, I'm putting together views from local ecologists, um, conservationists, because we have a few conservation groups around here. Like I said, community leaders, councillors from, you know, not just one party, all of them. That's really, really important that it's unbiased. Um, who else? We have a local someone that lives near me I won't say who it is because I've not spoken to her yet but we are in contact um 
who is on Gardener's World and she's quite well known for her work in conservation and ecology so I'm hoping that she will give a quote and just a really broad range and then residents themselves so just a really broad range of quotes, quotes and evidence and if you can compile some kind of a document if you can do whatever you can to help people respond to those because they are so convoluted and they're so hard like if I weren't a trained English teacher and if I didn't have the capacity to, be, capacity to be able to sit and read these long documents in the evenings after my kids have gone to bed and actually make sense of them, I think I would really struggle. Um, and so anything, if, if you're like that as well, anything you can do to help other people who might be working like night shifts or just not be able to get on the computer if they're not, if they don't have the internet, if they're not computer literate or whatever it is, um, anything that you can do to help other people to respond the better because it is all about people power and actually I've just recorded an interview that you'll hear in a few weeks time with a guy called Nick Hayes um, he's just written a book on trespassing and he talks about that in the interview and I believe that we can get it off the plans but it is for me, it feels like it's very much to do with money. Um, the dwellings don't need to be there with the plans as they are. That Brighton and Hove are already almost 2,000 homes over their target. So there is no reason why this space needs to be on there. I'm sorry, I'm going off on a bit of a rant. And if you live nowhere near me, you might be like, hmm, I don't care. But I'm assuming that if you're listening, that you do care. Um, and that kind of leads me on to um, how we can... If we're, if we're wanting to protect our local green spaces, um, how we can use national and international, not just data, but evidence to help us. So a couple of documents, or one document that you will particularly want to know about is the WWF Living Planet Survey 2020. If you go onto Ecosia, I'll put a link in the show notes, but if you go onto ecosia.com and you search for that, um, there is so much evidence there about wildlife decline, about biodiversity decline and all of that stuff. You can pluck out key quotes from there because it's all backed up by evidence and you can use that. Also, David Attenborough, the wonder that is David Attenborough, quite helpfully just did a documentary called Extinction the Facts. And if you didn't see it on the BBC, I really urge you to watch it because um, it's so interesting in terms of the evidence that shows the decrease in biodiverse areas, um, forests, wildlife, endangered, like all of the things around endangered species, but then also about like, you know, climate change and the impact of all of this decline is having on our planet, as in forest fires, um, uh, you know, things melting, ice, uh, glaciers melting and all that sort of thing. But they also go into what I really enjoyed was um, they went into quite a lot of detail about why pandemics happen. And like probably you, I was actually a bit nervous about watching it because I thought, I know what's going on. Like, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably already aware of what's happening to our planet. And you're probably already quite invested in helping in some way whether that's going zero waste or you know reducing your packaging and, and plastic waste and that sort of thing or if it's protecting your green spaces or whatever it might be um you might have been like me and thought oh I don't know if I want to watch it I know what's happening and it'll make me sad I did cry in a couple of places but actually I think it's really important to watch and also encourage other people to watch 
And linking in with what I was saying about uh, protecting green spaces, you can use that. All Everything that they said in there, use quotes from it. Sit down with your notebook and just make notes. Um, I watched it on Sunday night and just watched it to digest it. I'm going to watch it again, sit and make some notes and then use it in the evidence that I'm putting together. I'm hoping to go to the planning meeting. There's an open planning meeting in October. Um, I'm hoping to go to that and present this big document that I'm creating. So yeah, anything that you can do to help, because, you know, I said in the last episode, it's all about those small things. And it and it, and it really, really is. And it's also about those small spaces, those small patches of wildland, of grassland, of chalkland, of forest, woodland, whatever it might be. All of those little patches that need protecting, they are open spaces and they are important on so many levels. You know, mental health, biodiversity, all of that stuff. Like it's it's not just environmental, it's social. And it is so important for us all equally to have access to green spaces. That's it. Um, so yeah, that was kind of what I wanted to say about that. So I'll say rant over. <laughs> Um, the other thing was that kind of ties in with the whole idea of eco-grief, eco-anxiety and eco-guilt, which I think are all very much tied. And I talked about eco-anxiety and grief in my last episode. And I started to think about this idea of eco-grief, uh, sorry, eco-guilt. So um, how we can feel just guilty about not doing enough or not having known or... Um, for what we did 20 years ago or 10 years ago or five years ago or five days ago you know we can get really wound up about oh my god there's, there's so much packaging and I shouldn't be doing this I'm really big on don't beat yourself up you don't know what you don't know at the time that you don't know it and when you do know it you can do something about it um and I think yes you know campaigns have been going on for years and that's something they talked about in the David Attenborough documentary as Greta Thunberg was not the first child to stand up and say this is not right and they gave I don't know the name of the the young lady that did it but in 92 and I actually think I remember this because I would have been 11 um would I have been 92 <laughs> I was born in 81 yeah I would have been 11 um and I, I I think I'm pretty sure I remember in fact I remember them signing the document that said oh yeah we're going to be really nice to the planet now and it's how many years later and it still hasn't happened you know um and even then it, the 90s wasn't the first time that I, I spoke last time I know that there was a push in the 80s as well because I remember it when I was really young um I believe that the moment you realise you do something about it, if that was 10 years ago, fab, you've been helping for 10 years. If that was 10 minutes ago, do something now. And don't feel guilty for all the things you haven't done. Just start now and do those little steps that I talked about in my last episode. Um, guilt literally gets you nowhere, just like anxiety. Um, grief, I think we need to feel I think we need to allow ourselves to feel that and I think that's what was coming up a lot for me when I was watching the documentary was um allowing yourself to cry those tears allowing yourself to feel that loss and then doing something about it and I I, I said I mentioned that in my last episode as well um and just allowing yourself to feel it and and do something 
So I also wanted to talk about, um, sorry, I've just been in the house to get the article. So if I'm shuffling about a bit, that's why. <laughs> I also wanted to talk about an article that I found on a website called www.humansandnature.org. And it was out, it's out, it was actually through Instagram that I found it. Someone quoted it in their post. Um, and I just found it so it just kind of shifted things a little bit for me. So I thought I would share it with you. Um, so it's by a woman called Elizabeth Lapense, I think it is, L-A-P-E-N-S-E-E, -E -E, and the first E has got uh, an accent on it. And it's called Continuum of Continuance. I will put a link in the show notes to this. So I just thought I would read you the first few paragraphs just to give you a bit of background and kind of a bit of food for thought but definitely go over to the website and, and read the whole article because it's it's um it's a good one if I get anything if I pronounce anything incorrectly like I know I'm going to um just bear with me just ignore me <laughs> I'll do my best so wolverines once walked Michigan but now were rare sightings equated with rumors and illusory fan fancy to be fair Anishinaabeg never cared much for wolverines, who were said to have come to Aki, Earth, in a shooting star that impacted the land. Always seen as out of place, wolverines were fierce animals who made their presence known by pissing in our food just to let us know they didn't want us anywhere nearby. Nonetheless, the thought of their presence returns us to another generation, one before colonisation, before apocalypse. The way I understand it, from an, an excuse me, Anishinaabekwe, perspective passed on to me from my mother we are already living in the post-apocalypse life as we knew it has been fundamentally interrupted devastated and shifted genocide occurred through war the spread of diseases and strategic government-led removal of indigenous peoples in order to open up land for the taking by businesses and settlers along with the echo of trauma that resonates through generations caused by policies that prevent cultural practices and tactics such as taking indigenous children away to residential schools, assimilation and ongoing colonisation continue to impact indigenous communities today. So instead of imagining a future of devastation, we recognise what has already happened and ask what it is we can do in the future with hope for the next generations. We can walk and sing for the waters, carrying them in copper to amplify the resonation of our voices, our hopes, our good thoughts. Just as we carry the waters, the waters carry us, sustaining our lives and the interrelations that connect us all. It is our responsibility to clean the waters, to keep those waters clean continuously and to recognise and honour the role of water as life. As we walk, we repeat the lessons of bears who are protectors. They are known also for their knowledge of plant medicines, thanks to their attentive pacing as they patrol the perimeters of territories they are intended to care for. Stars, who reflect on the waters, watch the, the ways in which Bear so carefully traversed the land and gifted to Bear teachings about how to gather and use plants as medicines. It was through our mindful observations of Bear that we too learned that knowledge must be reciprocated with care through tending plants, growing plants and caring for the lands. And then it goes on to talk about um, colonial restrictions and how the earth has um, lost out because of colonisation and, and, and all of that sort of thing. But I, what I found really interesting was this idea that we're not approaching the apocalypse. Like people often talk about 
oh, you know, the end is nigh, it's all doom and gloom. But actually, we're in a post-apocalypse. And so the apocalypse has already happened. All of this destruction has already happened. Um, so in thinking about it like that, we start to think about what can we rebuild? Now that this has been destroyed, or a lot of it is in the process of being destroyed as we see it, but what what do we want to rebuild? What do we want to keep and what do we need to let go of? Um, and it's very, it's becoming very clear that the things that we need to, you know, let go of are bigotry, racism, any kind of colonial idealism of like uh, people conquering other lands without really know any, knowing anything about it and enforcing their views on those lands and those peoples and, and, um, and that sort of thing. And, you know, this idea of uh, borders and because the land doesn't know borders you know that's a very human concept um, and so I think I like the idea of of thinking of it as post-apocalyptic and this idea of us us doing something to support each other in this rebuilding of this new um, community let's say we don't we don't even need to say society we can say community um, there's a lot more of us here than there were 300, 400, 500 years ago, but we can still do something to create something new, even amidst all the chaos. And that's where all these actions that we do behind the scenes, where we put our money, who we're buying from, who we're listening to, all of that, that all comes into play. Because if we stop listening to the people who are trying to spread hatred or disconnection or separation any of that maybe they'll shut up sometimes I just think you know like I, I um my daughter came home last week and someone at school hadn't been very nice to her and she was really upset about it and I just and I remember people saying this to me when I was a, a child you know people saying just ignore them and they'll go away and for me that was like oh, that's not really enough like that doesn't work but actually you know I did say to her Sometimes people do things because they want to be heard or, or they want to be seen or, or whatever it might be. It might be that they're feeling bad about themselves in some way. And so they're um, hurting you in order to help them feel better. Now, if you turn to them and say, I am not listening to you and you walk off, doesn't need to be any more than that. You don't need to be unkind to them even if they're being unkind to you, you don't need to be unkind. You just say, I am not listening to you and you walk away. And the more that you do that, the less likely they are to keep going. And I think the media at the moment is just, I'm not even sure what's going on with the media because it's like, yes, there are certain things we need to know about, clearly, but I, I'm just not sure that the attention we're giving to certain things is the right place for our attention to be. And it's distracting us from helping our planet, helping each other, um, helping to support the people around us who are really struggling and, and all of that sort of thing. And, you know, you probably know by now that when I get on my high horse, I can gallop off into the distance and carry on for miles. So I won't go on too much because this was supposed to be short, but I... I love this idea, coming back to the article, I love this idea of rebuilding Earth. 
and um, creating something new. So I just thought I'd give you that just to kind of think about really. Um, and as I say, I'll, I'll, pop, I'll pop the link up on the show notes so you can have a look um, if you're interested. Um, and then the last thing, it's kind of a bit of admin really. <laughs> um, I wanted to just let you know in a slight about a slight change of style in the writing prompt and meditation. So it's still going to be essentially a writing prompt and a meditation, but sometimes it will be less of the meditation in the sense that I realised when I was doing, I've done the first five interviews and I did some of them over lockdown and then I've done some in the last couple of weeks. And I realised that actually some of the things that I wanted to talk through in the follow-up episode might not have been a meditation. It might be more like, okay, this is what this person was talking about. Now let's see if we can create that. Um, and that doesn't always have to be done through meditation as such. It's more about being mindful about, you know, okay, this is the decision I've made. How can I take these little steps to, to create that for myself? So um, it's going to be a bit more varied. It's not just going to be a meditation because I, I like to, you know, we, we want to keep things interesting, basically. Um so anyway, I think that's probably enough for me. from me. Um, hopefully you already know where you can find me. I'm on the website www.promptedbynature.co.uk. Um, I'm starting to, once once my son's gone to school, I'll, as I mentioned, I'll have a bit more time. So I'm going to be doing a blog based on um, things that are not just creative, but kind of quite outdoorsy. I've got some ideas of, um, yeah, some outdoor blogs. And I'd also like to have some guest blogs. Um, but so I'll be doing a blog and then I've got the section for my own writing, which I'm kind of building up. And then there's the events, the podcast, um, and I'm going to be adding to that as well. I'm also on Instagram at prompted.by.nature, where all of my nature-inspired writing prompts are. And then my personal page, which I've changed um, because I, it's a long story, but basically I wanted to try and refine everything I was doing. So my personal page was just for my meditation, um, bits and pieces, but I've changed it to, it's at PBN underscore Helen. And again, I'm going to be posting bits and pieces about nature and creative things kind of like almost like the background to the writing prompts essentially um, and hopefully doing some I'd really love to do more partnerships with small businesses and kind of like-minded people um, so yeah that's it I think I'll probably stop this and they go oh I didn't talk about that but I'm sure I'll I'll do another solo episode at some point um, wherever you are I hope you're well I hope you're bearing up please do keep in touch. I'm always here if you um, if you want to message me. I always love hearing from you. So enjoy this series of the podcast. Um, let me know any writing that you do as a result, any feedback. I would love to hear from you. Um, I am having a few sound problems at the moment, so I should probably preempt just in case it sounds a bit strange. For some reason, my sound just isn't working very well at the moment, So, but we'll see. Anyway, I'm sending you lots of love as always, and hopefully I will speak to or see you soon. Take lots of care, and yeah, bye-bye.